Hey, Flaunt Squad, welcome to the show. This show is very different from our usual shows. We usually talk about running and running for plus size, voluptuous fat people. Um, and we don't concentrate on weight loss on Flaunt Performance Podcast. You can talk about weight loss on any other show they talk about weight loss. So you can go on any social media. Everybody's talking about weight loss. At Flaunt Performance Podcast, we do not talk about weight loss. At least we don't concentrate on weight loss. We concentrate on the love of running. What's going on with my voice? Oh my goodness, it's so raspy. We concentrate on the love of running at Flaunt Performance and running in the bodies that we already have. Today I have... Harry Minot on the show and we're not really talking about running but we're talking about fat acceptance and I will let you know that there are some triggers some of you may be triggered by some of the things that we're talking about today calories are mentioned weight loss is mentioned we're not glorifying um, weight loss And we are not concentrating on calories, but it is mentioned. Also, trauma is mentioned. So if you feel like you will be haunted or triggered by those things, I would suggest that you go back and maybe listen to some other episodes or even go back and um, or even fast forward through the show if you hear something that you're triggered by because we do mention that but Harry I'm so glad I had Harry Minot on the show because he really gives some insight on fat acceptance and being a man in the fat acceptance movement also speaking of which I'm also very excited to be speaking at the fat acceptance I'm sorry, not fat acceptance. I'm so I'm thinking about the interview, (laughs) the fat activism conference this year. This is a virtual conference. So if you listen to talks live, which you do because you're listening to this podcast, you'll also you'll love this conference. You'll also love this conference. You'll also get recordings and transcripts so that you can listen and read at your convenience. The conference will take place October 6th through 8th. That's coming up October 6th through 8th, 2017. And it's for people of all sizes who are interested in creating a world that respects the diversity of body sizes and who are interested in fighting the bullying, stigmatizing, shaming, and oppression of that are this faced by fat people. And that we talk about on this show today. And people who want to work with all different types of people. The conference even offers a pay what you can afford option to make sure that it's financially accessible to all. And you can go to fatactivismconference.com to find out more information about that. And I will be speaking. So I'm excited about that. But anyway, sit back and relax and listen to my interview with Harry because he, oh my, and his voice, guys, you will love, if you love radio, you will love his voice. He has a very classic radio voice. All right. Enjoy the show. 
Thank you so much for joining Flaunt Performance, Harry. Thanks for having me. Do you feel like men are ignored in the fat acceptance movement? Well, not exactly, uh, but um, but I do think that uh, the male experience of fatness is significantly different from that which women experience, because for women, it's all kind of tied up in attractiveness and, I will say, misogyny. And, uh, you know, just as uh, misogyny is a pernicious thing, uh, when you add to it uh, fatness, uh, it, um, it gets very complex and, um, and cruel, I'll say. Uh, whereas, to a large degree, men are um, permitted to be fat. Uh, it's that old double standard thing, which uh, it totally sucks. So you felt like you were permitted to be fat when you were fatter? No, not, not at all. Uh, when I was a boy, uh, I was the one kid in the family who got whacked by the fat genes. In other words, uh, there are uh, five of us kids in the family, and the other four escaped the whack of those genes. So um, they never kind of went through that. But I was basically fat from birth, and that continued until about age 54. And it is a problematic thing to be a fat kid, and I think it's even harder now than when I was a boy. And I should explain, I'm a really old guy. I'm 63 now. So, uh, you know, when I was coming up as a fat kid, John F. Kennedy was president. And there was, during his term, the uh, President's Council on Youth Fitness. So there was a focus on uh, kids being fit and meeting certain standards. And I totally did not meet those standards. And, um, and I went through the standard grade school stuff. My grade school nickname was Buddha Belly. And I was relentlessly teased in school locker rooms, both because I was big and fat, uh, but also because it happened that I was in that subset of males uh, who are fat, who also have a great big rack of boobs. And, um, and that was always the case. And it's not true for everyone, but it resulted in additional teasing that I received when I was a kid. And, um, and then there's also the, uh, the overlay of concern, which is uh, connected with health. So, for instance, there would be the school weigh-ins, uh, where I would be assessed and um, and found to exceed, you know, the guidelines. And I can recall being weighed when I was 11 years old, and the uh, the teacher who was in charge of the weigh-in uh, clucked at the reading on the scale, and he said, "Well, you'll probably never see 150 again." And, you know, at age 11, 150 was a good size because I wasn't all that tall back then. So, um, but these days, there is all of this hand-wringing about the so-called obesity epidemic. 
And this has a really harmful effect on fat kids. And uh, it's almost unimaginable the horror that they go through. Anyhow, I've probably gone on far too long. No, not at all. This, uh, when do you think the obesity um, problem, which the society tries to say it's a problem, the use the word obesity, I don't even like that word, but when do you think this issue really started coming up? Well, I think it began to um, to churn up in a um, uh, how shall I put this in a uh, in a harmful sort of way uh, back when I was a kid. The, the President's Council on Youth Fitness uh, shone a light on this, and it sent a message to fat kids at that time that whoa, you're a problem, and. Um, and uh, by the way, I share your dislike of the word obesity, which is uh, medicalization of uh, fatness. I prefer the term fat. Pure and simple, it's an adjective. And it has to be taken back from those who would use it as a pejorative and needs to be used as a simple descriptor, like, you know, uh, short or tall. And... Um, uh, but I think uh, probably it was back in the early 60s that there was that um, concern about fat kids expressed. Uh, but but again, it's far worse now. How did you feel at first when you first started calling yourself fat? Well, I kind of um, got involved in the size, what's what was then referred to as the size acceptance movement back in 1973, and I was 20 then, and there was a brand new organization that had only just started up in 1969 called NAFA, N-A-A-F-A, and back in those days, the acronym stood for National Association to Aid Fat Americans. Many years later, they changed the acronym, and today it stands for National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance. But it was the first national organization that um, uh, actively sought to oppose bigotry based on size and weight. And so I was 20 when I joined NAFA, and it was our habit back then to use the word fat, to steal it back, essentially, from the oppressors. Uh, but it was um, actually not until about a year after I joined NAFA that I finally and absolutely made peace with my own personal fatness. And, and that was the result of a period of dieting where I torturously, over the course of oh, eight or nine months, got myself down from 230 to 180. And then I very rapidly rebounded to 250. In other words, an extra 20 pounds. And that's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty much a common thing, that when people rebound from a loss, almost inevitably, there's a little extra. And for some people, it's a lot extra. But for me, it was that extra 20 pounds. And then I kind of hovered around 250 until I was 54. 
my absolute peak was 270. Uh, but, um, but that dieting experience at age 21 is what finally absolutely radicalized me. Did you internalize the feeling of being a problem as a fat kid? Oh, yeah. There was a long time when I, um, in my teenage years especially, when I regarded myself with disgust, you know, I, w- I would look at, uh, at my belly and my torso and I would think, man, how can you be like this? How could you let yourself get this way? And I think it's very natural for people to internalize that oppression because it is so ubiquitous. There's just no escaping it. Being a former fat kid, does it still haunt you sometimes today? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, in anticipation of talking to you today, I was reminded of times where uh, where I was rebuked by adults. I, now, my dad was a fat kid, uh, and so I never heard anything from him about my fatness that was at all negative because he had the memory of having been a fat kid. My mother, different story. Uh, there were a couple of occasions when I was young and she was buying clothes for me, where it was totally clear to me that of all of her children, I was the one that was totally repulsive. Uh, and, uh, and there was a time when uh, I couldn't fit into a particular pair of swim trunks, and she actually slapped me uh, and... Uh, and Recalling that was really poignant. Uh, And there were, you know, any number of other situations where, for instance, at a summer camp I went to, the other kids would have ice cream. And uh, I would be presented with a dish full of jello. And and my my paternal grandmother, too, uh, is... uh, somebody who expressed uh, dismay over my fatness on more than a few occasions. So how do you get beyond that right now as an adult? Well, I recall it, um, and there's kind of no forgetting it. Uh, But when I see fat kids today, I think, oh, man, I just, I want to hug you. I want to make you feel like you are all that, like you are perfectly okay. And, um, and I kind of want to protect them against all of the hideous, pernicious bigotry that is floating around now. Uh, because as I said, it's worse than ever. Why do you and think it's worse? I think it's uh, worse because, well, there are more fat people now, arguably, there are more fat people now than when I was a kid. Uh, and everybody seems to have a theory as to why that should be so. Oh, it's because of all the high fructose corn syrup and the processed foods. It's because they're sitting in front of uh, TV monitors playing games. It's this, it's that. But in the end, the experts think they know stuff 
but they don't really. They just don't. And um, and so there's this public policy thing now where the degree of fatness that exists in society produces this sort of hand-wringing response where they say, oh, this is terrible because, you know, X percentage of Americans are going to be obese by 2025. And all of it ends up being unhelpful and oppressive. And if you leave people alone, if they're permitted to live with dignity and self-affection, then these things are going to sort themselves out. But if you apply a sledgehammer to the problem, if you think you know stuff based on studies which are poorly designed and which are in many cases tainted by their funding sources, then you're going to draw wrong conclusions and you're going to do actual harm. Harry, what can we as former fat kids, well, I'm still fat, but <laughs> but former fat kids do to really help fat kids cope? I think to let them know whenever it's possible and whenever it can be done in a way that, um, that doesn't make them self-conscious, to just, you know, emphasize their positive values. And, um, oh, and uh, by the way, NAFA uh, has a, um, a bunch of literature available that uh, is all about uh, opposition to the pressures that are brought against fat kids. So uh, and their website is nafa.org. But there are also any number of uh, uh, well-informed activists out there uh, who would uh, be good to connect with. One of them, have you ever heard of Rebecca Jane Weinstein? No, you told me about her. I had never heard of her prior to you telling me. Okay, well, she wrote a book called Fat Kids. And I recommend it very, very highly because it uh, contains a lot of different stories. And of course, not everybody who is fat was a fat kid. And it, um, uh, people, for instance, who gain weight later in life actually might have a more difficult time with um, adjusting to, to being fat than those of us who were fat basically from the starting gate. And so it's worth being conscious of the fact that everybody's got a different story and a different experience but we're all in this together. And, of course, there are fat people of all sizes, too. Uh, and it's important not to be drawing lines based on the degree of fatness, either. Uh, because, uh, well, drawing lines is always a bad idea, uh, whether it's uh, a race or religion or nationality or anything. Um, when you get right down to it, we're all in this together. And so those artificial divisions should be treated as just that, artificial. Uh, but the Rebecca Jane Weinstein book, Fat Kids, uh, it's uh, real nice in that the whole first third of the book features individual stories from people with individual 
experiences. And it's always nice to not regard one's personal experience as being kind of overarching. In other words, I was fat from birth, but not everybody is. And their stories are just as important as mine. Harry, the story about your mom slapping you, um, did that happen in a store? No, it happened at home. Uh, she had uh, purchased swim trunks based on what she thought my size was. And when my size turned out to be uh, uh, considerably more than she thought, uh, she um, uh, she was very frustrated. Sometimes children, well, many times children can't really express what they're feeling because of fear of adults and, you know, we're taught to be respectful. But what would you say to your mom today if you had to go back to that situation as an adult? Oh, well, she and I always had a difficult relationship, uh, not just because I was the one of her kids that was fat, uh, but also because uh, she uh, uh, she was an alcoholic. Uh, so uh, reasoning with somebody who is an alcoholic is uh, kind of a tall order. But if I'd been able to speak frankly to her, I would have said, I think, I can't help the way I am. And you just hurt me. And you lost weight at 54. What happened? You know, that is the that is the strangest thing in my whole damn life. Uh, and I still don't really understand why it happened. It was truly, absolutely never my intent to lose weight. As a fat person, I was always uh, uh, proudly assertive. And, uh, oh, and there was a period of time in the late 80s and early 90s when I was first the publicity chair and then the co-chair of the Connecticut chapter of NAFA. So uh, in those days, I was very much, you know, a front person uh, being interviewed on radio and by newspapers and stuff. And so um, the, uh, the shrinking thing, uh, again, was totally unintended. I never would have knuckled under to pressure, and yet it did happen. And it was very gradual over the course of almost four years. And uh, it was about six years ago this summer that I finally settled that uh, uh, the kind of low weight that, um, uh, that I am right now. Now, here's the odd thing, though, because I was always an activist. But now, people will say things in my presence about fat people that they would never say if they knew there was a big fat guy standing right next to them. And so, at a moment like that, I reach into my wallet and I pull out several photographs of myself uh, from 2007. And I show them those photographs. And... Um, and I explained to them that for a person who is genetically inclined to be fat, to be thin, requires an extraordinary curtailment of intake. Now, for me, it happens to work out to 
Yeah, something like 600 to 800 calories a day. Whoa. And thank, and thankfully, I never feel any feeling of deprivation. But I remember what that feeling of deprivation was like. And nobody should ever have to endure that. So the person who happens to be thin and is actually bigoted toward fat people, would that person willingly get by on six to 800 calories a day? I don't think so. And yet, mm-hmm. and yet they would expect that of the fat person of whom they disapprove. Did it impact losing the weight? Did it impact your standing in the organization? No, oddly not. And, um, and I had sent to you a link uh, to a radio program I did not very long ago on the topic uh, that included um, that included an interview with Bill Fabry, and uh, Bill was the actual founder of NAFA way back in 1969. And when he first met me, I was 20. And uh, no, what I love about being thin now is that it has kind of granted to me a new pulpit from which to continue activism against that particular form of bigotry. And if you were to root around my uh, Facebook friends, you would find a lot of uh, fascinating and potent activists, uh, including Rebecca Jane Weinstein, Substantia Jones. Ever hear of her? I heard about her on your show. Okay. Well, she created the website adipositivity.com which is a photographic celebration of fat bodies, both male and female. But I first met her because she did radio on the station that I managed in Bridgeport, Connecticut for 30 years. And when we first met each other, each of us were unaware of the other's commitment to size acceptance. And um, and so, um, oh, uh, Reagan Chastain, is another one. And now you've interviewed Jessamine Stanley, am I right? Yes, I've interviewed Jessamine Stanley as well as Reagan Chastain. Okay, well, Jessamine and Reagan both, they are towering icons of activism against anti-fat bigotry. And uh, Jessamine, uh, I think, uh, uh, because she gets at the... uh, the important issue of never judging based on appearances and never making a health judgment based on appearances, uh, she's especially important. And and so I was uh, really pleased to see that you had involved her in your work. Yeah, she was, she's definitely important because we focus on fat runners. Some of them, you know, some people don't identify as fat, virtuous <coughs> runners, whatever you want to call yourself. But she's very, very important to so many people who are athletic and fat at the same time. So it was important to have her on the show. Yeah. So anyhow, I'm uh, still well connected with uh, all of these activists. And I I hope that they uh, don't uh, find the thin me to be repulsive. Uh, although I got to tell you, uh, as to repulsiveness, as a thin person... Even though my loss was very, very gradual, uh, not like those who have surgery, uh, I'm a total train wreck physically. 
I'm a human raisin. And, um, and I went to the beach last summer, and there were a couple of uh, 20-something young women there who spoke to each other in stage whispers about exactly how repulsive they found my uh, uncovered un- uh, torso to be. And so this, this, I thought, was kind of ironic and almost funny uh, that um, I continue to be an object of, um, of disgust. And so, and it's, and you know, is that terrible? Well, is it terrible or is it just kind of funny and instructive that everybody doesn't like something? And um, it's weird. People are so caught up in their own insecurities. I can't believe that they did that. That that's just absolutely ridiculous. Did you point it out or did you just go on go on about your business? No, they uh, they. It was pretty clear that uh, they did not think I could hear what they were saying. In other words, they must have thought I was not just old, but deaf, too. And so I didn't uh, take the bait, and I didn't talk to them. And thankfully, uh, the woman friend with whom I was at the beach uh, was in the water at the time, and so she didn't hear this. Uh, and, uh, And I mentioned it to her later because it was, you know, ironic and funny uh in its way uh but yeah you know it's funny uh cruelty is um uh plentiful and um and i'd like to believe that uh, there will be a change uh that there will be a time when kindness asserts itself in a more global way uh but that gets into another topic entirely um, uh, but in any in any event, um, bigotry based on uh, fatness is odious. Uh, but every single form of bigotry is odious because it is always and forever a judgment against another person, and as such, it's an obstacle to the grasp of interconnectedness. So we each have uh, different experiences of having been bigoted against, and and they all have to be opposed. Now, you were able to brush those two women off, but are you ever triggered to a point when you just can't brush it off because it triggers your feelings as a fat kid? Well, um, y- yeah, there are times when... Um, when uh, a memory will come to the fore, and it uh, it makes me uh, burn a little bit, and um, uh, but it, it's not generally an immobilizing kind of burn, um, and um, you know it's it's a reminder, but it's not um, uh, what do I want to say? It's not um, terrible. You know, Harry, I want to get into that because since we talk to a lot of runners, heavy runners, there has <laughs> this topic has come up a lot. Well, some runners may be out running and then all of a sudden they'll see a group of children and those memories of being a fat kid and feeling like they're going to make fun of them. Those come up. What are some coping mechanisms you can give us? as runners, as athletic people who are out in the public, fat, and just exercising? 
Well, the best thing to do is uh, a smile and a wave. And, um, and sometimes that's uh, the, the best way to, uh, to respond to nastiness generally. A smile and a wave will do it. It, uh, it says to them that um, you're not letting anybody get you down. And you're going to keep doing what you're doing, whether they like it or not. And uh, being out in public, well, I remember a time when um, uh, my doc suggested that I do a certain amount of walking every day uh, because uh, he thought I, I was headed toward a metabolic syndrome, that thing, you know, the so-called pre-diabetes. This is years ago. And, um, and so I was out in public walking every day. And there were several times when um, carloads of teenagers would drive past and uh, comment loudly about uh, uh, the size of my uh, body. And well, that's the uh, terrible thing about being out in public, is that there are those who will congratulate you uh, extensively, you know, in a kind of a patronizing way for uh, being out there and moving your fat body. Uh, but uh, that is almost as oppressive as those who would make catcalls about your fatness. Yeah. You see what I'm getting at? I definitely, oh, I can definitely relate to that. Definitely. You know, so, so if they're congratulating you uh, in an excessive sort of way, that's kind of icky too, you know? Uh, because uh, you're not necessarily out there to lose weight. You're out there because you like the movement thing. It's like asking a fat person, where do you get your confidence? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so it's, it's an odd thing. But I, I would like to think that a time will come when people are nicer. Well, I appreciate you working toward that. Harry, how can people get in contact with you if they want to reach out and just really discuss what you spoke with us about on this episode? Oh, well, I'm uh, totally accessible. Um, for those who do the Facebook thing, I am there as Harry Minot, M-I-N-O-T. And all of my postings are totally public, so nobody has to be a friend in order to scroll through the previous postings. And, um, and they include a lot that has to do with the um, uh, size acceptance realm. Uh, because, uh, again, I've got a lot of friends who are active in that realm. Uh, and also, anybody who wants my uh, direct email address, it's really, really simple. It's just hminot at aol.com. Because I'm so antique, I've hold, held on to the AOL address. <laughs> so it's just uh, H-M-I-N-O-T at AOL.com. And as long as you don't land in my spam folder, I'll get to you. Thank you so much, Harry, for being on Flaunt Performance. I really appreciate you sharing your stories. All right, and uh, thank you so much for the work you're doing uh, each and every day. And um, and I hope you'll stay in touch. Oh, definitely. All right, take care. And I, I uh, send you a low, deep bow of respect and thanks. And back to you.
Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.